Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. I hope that you have had a wonderful week and glad that we can be here together to worship God. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 will be there shortly. If you're using a pew Bible, that starts on page 812. Page 812, Matthew chapter 7. This morning, we are continuing our series on the name of God, but we're shifting a little bit for the next three weeks. So we're talking about uh, Father God, talking about God as the Father, and talking about God as Spirit and God uh, in, in the Son. And uh, we want to think about, uh, as we begin this this morning, a little bit of a, how, how do we appreciate and under, understand that? How we appreciate uh, that we worship and serve and follow one God, but He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. We'll get to God the Father in just a little bit, but I do want to, again, try to help us to, to understand what does it mean that we only have one God, but he's revealed himself in these ways. You've probably thought about this and, and heard the, the terms uh, Godhead or Trinity or, or those types of things. And, and those are words that are, are not biblical words, but they are biblical concepts. Uh, and they're hard to understand. They're hard for us to, to wrap our minds around this this triune God, uh, this this one God that has revealed himself in three different ways. And you've probably noticed or heard or had explained to you or thought about yourself any number of, of ways that it has attempted to be explained to you, but maybe none of them is, is perfect. And hey, none of them are perfect. It's hard for us to, uh, to really fully grasp who God is. But this morning, before we get to God the Father, because we will be talking about God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son for the next three weeks, I thought it would be good for us to spend a little bit of time uh, to think about the Trinity, think about the Godhead, think about this triune God and, and try to wrap our minds around it. And again, it's something that it's, un, it's not easy for us to understand, but we can understand it better than perhaps we do. Uh, here I have in my hand, it's, it's a very small one, uh, but it is a, a multi-tool. Okay, men, you know what a multi-tool is, right? It's one of those things that unfolds and, and it has a pair of pliers on it. You notice that that multi-tool is kind of an oxymoron, right? Multi, plural, tool, singular. Uh, it's already kind of confusing, uh, but you can see that it's got multiple functions, right? You got a pair of pliers. Mine here, it has a, uh, a very neat little flashlight that I'm sure my son Benjamin and Riley are both going to uh, enjoy playing with at some point. Uh, it also, on this side, it, it kind of is like a, a Swiss Army knife is another thing you might think of. It's got a a little saw on it. I don't know what you're going to be sawing with this little guy, uh, but it's got a bottle opener and a, a flathead screwdriver. It's got a Phillips head screwdriver and it has an extremely dull knife on it. Uh, but it's a, it's a multi-tool, right? You would look at this and you would think, okay, well, I, I'm going to use this tool and you could use it for various things, a, a, a multitude of different things, really. Uh, but usually you're only going to use one of the tools at a time, right? Uh, you, you probably aren't going to because the way the tool's built, be able to use the, the flashlight and the screwdriver at the same time. And the way it's built, you're not going to be able to use the pliers and the saw at the same time. But it's, you would not, also, you would not say that it is multiple things. It's, it's clearly one thing. It's one thing so much that it is actually, this one is a, is a keychain. You can wrap it up and, and put it down on your keychain and, and have it with you wherever you go. So in some ways, perhaps that's a, that's one way we think about God the Father. God the Son and God the Spirit. It's, it's multiple things, but it's one thing. And they're, they're, they're different and they're distinct, but they're not separate. And again, this is hard for us to understand. And I, I've struggled to understand this and to teach it and explain it and, and, and preach about it as well. And I saw one thing uh, this week from the 
uh, the Bible Project. You may be familiar with them. They have a, a YouTube channel, and, and uh, they uh, had this video that I think we're going to have uh, playing here on the screen here in just a minute without any sound on it. Now, this is a, this is a chew toy for your dog. Uh, my dogs are going to be happy about this when I get home this, uh, this afternoon. Uh, but we have this, uh, this, this chew toy, this dog toy, and it's, it's clearly, it's one thing, right? It's clearly one chew toy, but it has three distinct parts about it. Uh, and um, this, this video that hopefully uh, here in a few minutes will, uh, will play up on the screen, uh, it is, there it is, there you go. All right, let me just explain it to you, uh, maybe without the sound on it. So uh, the way that they are uh, explaining it is, let's, let's imagine that we've got this, the black part up there is our, our existence, our plane of existence. And the way they're trying to explain it is, if you, if you live in a, in a 2D world, okay, like that flat shape, but then there is a, a 3D object, it would be very hard for you in a, in a 2D existence to understand a 3D shape. And you can see, and that's going to continue to play, but I'm also going to uh, show this to you as well and, and try to show it to you up here, okay? So let's, let's pretend similar to how that, that black thing is, the, uh, is, is our plane of existence. Let's, let's imagine that this right here is our plane of existence. We're walking around on, in our existence and that sort of thing. There are some times uh, when God reveals himself, but only God reveals himself. You can think about in Exodus chapter 3, uh, when he reveals himself as Yahweh, uh, he reveals himself as Yahweh to, to Moses there, uh, that, it, that it's just God. And we think about generally, we would think about God the Father. But there are other times, think about at creation in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God was there, right? But it also says the Spirit of God moved across the deep. So we see both God the Father and God the Spirit there. And then you think about in, in Luke where uh, Jesus is baptized, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit all there. God the Son is being baptized. God God the Father speaks from heaven, and God the Spirit descends like a dove. dove, And you may see uh, all three parts of the Godhead. But the reality is uh, that in our existence, whether it's you want to understand it as 2D or otherwise, in our existence, we can only understand what God has revealed about himself to us. And the reality is God has not revealed, probably because we are incapable of fully understanding himself as a whole. But he has chosen to reveal himself in these three distinct, which are different, but at the same time, they are the same. Before we move on to the next part, let me, let me stress this. I think sometimes in our, our conversations and our uh, thinking about the Trinity, thinking about the Godhead, thinking about this triune God, uh, we do a very good job of separating them. We think about God the Father. And we generally probably think about that as maybe in the Old Testament, God the Father. We think about God the Son, and we do a very good job of thinking about him as uh, Jesus and his time and uh, experience on earth. We think about God the Spirit, and we may understand some different things about him. We do a very good job sometimes of dividing God in that way. But really what I want you to understand is God is one, and he's only one. He has chosen to reveal himself in different ways, but God the Father is no more or no less than God the Son, who is no more or no less than God the Spirit. They are all one, and they, they, and again, they are all one. There's that same oxymoron as the multi-tool, the plural and the singular, and I understand that it's hard for us to wrap our mind around it, but I also want to encourage you with the fact that uh, the God that we serve is the same God uh, that it talks about in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, that he is one, but he has chosen to reveal himself. Why, why did he do that? 
Why, perhaps, did God choose to reveal himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit? I would suggest to you that the reason that he does that is each of these uh, distinct but same God helps us to understand him better. All of that is as clear as mud, and you understand it perfectly now as much as I do. Let's think about God the Father this morning. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just also as you are called, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is just uh, one example of a, a number of verses, another one that was read to us earlier, uh, that tells us that, that we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit all described in, in one passage. And again, hard for us to wrap our minds around it, but it is a biblical concept that, that God is one, but has revealed himself in these various ways. Again, in this verse, you see there's one spirit. Uh, you could say that there's a one Lord or one, one Lord and one body would refer to Jesus and one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There is but one God who has revealed himself in these different ways. Let's think about God the Father in the Old Testament. Here are a couple of verses, and I'll reference some others. Micah, excuse me, Malachi chapter 2, verse 10 says, Do we not all have one Father? Has, it, has not one God created us? So when we think about God the Father, it's, it's not just uh, re- religiously or spiritually that we have one Father. Uh, here, Malachi is indicating that all mankind has one Father, as in one Creator. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. All of us are the work of your hands. You see, I, I mentioned these two because in the Old Testament, God is, is not referenced as Father very often. It's much more frequently mentioned in the New Testament. And we, of course, understand why with Jesus uh, being here and talking about his father. But we see in, in these two verses that, that God is, is the father uh, as in a creator. We see uh, in Jeremiah chapter, 30, chapter 3 and verse 19 that he desires a relationship. In Psalm 103 and verse 13, it describes God as someone who has compassion on people the same way a father would have compassion on his children. So we see that, that God is the Father, even in the Old Testament, but it's much more, uh, more, much more prevalent in the New Testament. I, I would say this, and be hesitant to say it in some ways, but I think that it is accurate, that the Old Testament emphasizes God's greatness. And why would it do that? Primarily because he's talking to the Israelites as a group of people who are, are growing from not being a group of people, growing from, from Abraham and becoming a group of people. And God is, the Old Testament God distinguishes himself from all of the other so-called gods and describes his greatness. I would also say the Old Testament is, is perhaps, though not exclusively, more concerned about our reverence of this God, Yahweh, that we've been talking about, more so perhaps even than our relationship with him. So focus more on the greatness of God and our reverence towards God than perhaps on other things and perhaps differently than the way God's presented in the New Testament. What about God in the New Testament? Uh, we'll get to this verse here in just a second, Galatians chapter four. Uh, but in the New Testament, again, God the Father is, is talked about much more often. Uh, Jesus makes the claim. If you read in John chapter five and verse 18, uh, it's given as one of the reasons that the Pharisees are, are angry with Jesus because he has called God his father and therefore called himself God's son and made himself equal with God. That's one of the reasons that they are angry with him. Think about uh, the, uh, the model prayer when Jesus teaches us how to pray. How does it start? Our 
Father who art in heaven. So he makes this claim, and he doesn't make it just for himself, though he certainly makes it for himself. He also makes it for all of us, that we can address God as Father. Now, if we stop and we think about all of the ways that we've described God over the last month or so, two months probably at this point, that he's, he's, he's the God who sanctifies us. He's the God who makes us holy. He is all of the, uh, the amazing uh, distinguishing marks about who this God is. And as we've talked about the fact that the, that the might of God uh, makes it clear to us that we have no business really having much of anything to do with him, we're amazed by the fact that God not only wants to be our God, he also calls himself and describes this relationship as God, our Father. We see Jesus claim that he is our Father. We see also that uh, his his care for us is promised in his provision. In, in Matthew chapter 6, your turn to Matthew chapter 7, we'll be there shortly. But in Matthew chapter 6, you, you know what it talks about there, that uh, ask and it will be given to you, seek and find and, and knock and the door will be open to you. And it's talking about how our Father who is in heaven knows what we need before we even give it to him. And then he goes on in chapter 7 and he says this in verses 9 through 11. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he won't give him a snake, will he? If you then, men, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You see, we'll get to this again and I'll probably say this again at the end of our lesson. But God is father. You see, some of us have experiences with our father that are negative. Probably all of us have experiences with our father, fathers that are negative. Uh, whether they're bad the majority of the time or they make mistakes and failures and, and, and they let us down just, just a, a, a few times, we have negative experiences with our father. So when, when God's described as father, we could, we could struggle with that a little bit, especially any of you who may have uh, bad relationships with your father. But we see here with God that he is, he's, he's the perfect example of what a father would be. He's a perfect example of what a father should be. And that doesn't always mean that things are positive or that things are easy. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and see how else God is described as our father. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll start reading in verse five. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse five. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons, as, as children. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he flogs every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there among you whose father does not discipline him? But if you are... But if you are without discipline, of which you will become partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respect them. Shall we not much more rather subject ourselves to the Father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time as what seems best to them, but he disciplines us for our benefit so that we may share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. But to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceable peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we think about God as, as father. It's not just that, it's not just this love that he has for us, though certainly he has love for us. It's also this growth that he wants to see with us. And, and, and he disciplines us in order to help us to grow in those ways. Mostly this morning, turn to Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 14. Let's, let's focus on this. 
So we think about God the Father and trying to understand who he is and, and how, how, how we learn about God when we think about him in this revealed role to us as Father. I think the best way and the difference really between the Old Testament and the New Testament and our understanding of God is that Jesus helps us to understand who God is. Jesus helps us to understand who God is. Mark chapter 14, let's read verses 32 through 36. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 46. This is the, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we'll see the, the prayer that he offers to God. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 36. Then they came to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass by him. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. So Jesus helps us to understand a little bit more who God is as God the Father. And how, how does he do this? Uh, again, let's, let's recognize that God wants to be more than just our creator. God wants to have a relationship with us that is more than just our God. He desires this close relationship. You'll notice there in verse 36 that he says, Abba, Father. And that's, that's, not a, that's not a mistake there. They're, they're not written two different words because it means the same thing. There, there is a, a distinction there. Abba, Father, that, that word Abba, it might be a stretch to say that word is saying something like, like daddy. But it is saying something like dad or a really a closer relationship perhaps than just the one who, who was involved in your procreation. More than just the one who, who helped to, uh, to spur life to happen and, and for you to, to be born out of your mother's womb. It, it's, it's, it's the relationship that is there that, that God wants from us. He wants to be more than just the, the one who was involved in our creation. He desires this great relationship with us. And we know that because in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, and it's on the screen here, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Again, it's this desire that God has for us to, to not just be something that he made, but to be something that he has a relationship with. We can cry out to God, Abba, Father. Certainly we can address him and, and address him reverently and, and be inspired by the greatness of, of God in the Old Testament. We can also see that God desires a close relationship with, with us. And perhaps we see that better in the New Testament because Jesus helps us to understand him better. Turn, if you will, lastly, as we close this morning to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. What's the takeaway here? Why, why, do we, why do we care? Why does it matter that God is called Father, uh, that God would be our Father? Uh, there, there's probably a lot more than just the very brief thoughts that we've shared this morning. Uh, but what's the takeaway? What, what can you take away this morning and, and, and learn about and appreciate about God revealing himself as Father? Let's just recognize that wasn't an accident. God could have revealed himself in whatever way he wanted to. God could have described himself in whatever way he wanted to. But God, in his infinite, eternal wisdom, 
decided, I want them to recognize me as father. Why is that important? Again, let's understand and appreciate the fact that God is that perfect father. He's not necessarily like your dad who has shortcomings and pitfalls and all the things that he may struggle with. God is that perfect father. Luke 15, you know the story, the, par- the parable of the prodigal son. Notice what it says in verses 17 and following. But when he, the prodigal, came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will rise up and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Mark me as one of your hired men. So he rose up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now we know there is more to this story. He throws him a big party and the older brother gets upset and all those kinds of things. But let's recognize, we, we, can, be, we can read into it a little bit. Do, do you think that, that the father here has expectations that this returning prodigal son is gonna make some better choices in his life? Absolutely. He's, he, he, there's an expectation. Hey, you're, you're not gonna you know, go and live that kind of lifestyle anymore. You're gonna live differently. You're gonna serve me and live better with me and all those types of things. But what, what's, the, what's the emphasis of this story? That this father loved his son who had messed up big time enough that it seems as if to me, and this is the way I always picture it, it seems as if to me that this father is not only thankful his son has returned, he has been anticipating his son's return. He's been looking for it. He's probably been praying about it and begging for it and just being so excited that it might happen. And when he sees him from afar off, he gets up and he runs to him. God as father. I don't know that there is a better picture of God as father than that story. And that's the the God that you serve. That's the creator who wants to have a relationship with you. And he knows that you're weak and he knows that you're imperfect and he knows that you've made mistakes. And all he asks you to do is come to yourself and come back to him realize all the things you've given up or all the things that you've lost or all the things that you're missing because you're not being where you need to be with God, your Father. Let's pray. Almighty, heavenly Father, we come before you this morning trying to understand who you are. And Lord, we could, we could say we're trying to understand who you are as Father, Spirit, and Son, but Lord, we are also just trying to understand why you would love us at all, perhaps. And Lord, if we, if we took the time, and we don't like doing it, so maybe we haven't recently, but if we took the time to examine ourselves and judge our motives, think about the things that we've done, we would find ourselves lacking righteousness, lacking holiness, falling short of your glory. But Lord, we're thankful for the fact that you are a God who wants to be our father, who wants to discipline us and show us better ways and help us to do better things and hold us accountable when we fail and and all of that, God. But but ultimately, a a father who wants what's best for us and wants to to help us to achieve and to, to accomplish what's best for us, Lord. Lord, when 
when you bring about that discipline in our lives, help us to recognize it and be thankful for it, God. And Lord, when you bless us and give us the things that we need when we ask for them, help us to recognize that and thank you, Father. Lord, help us to recognize that we stand in awe of you and, and you are, are holy and, and greater than anything that we can ask or imagine or, or comprehend, Lord, in, in, your, in your fullness. But Lord, you're also the one who's, who's reached down and, and promised to be our God and, and promised for us to be your people and asked us and invited us to be your children. Lord, we thank you for that. God, we pray that you'll help us to follow you. Lord, thank you for being our father. Help us to be your faithful children. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Where's your relationship at with your father in heaven? Are you following him? Are you listening to him? Are you allowing him to to discipline you and guide you? Are you listening to his instruction and applying it to your life? Uh, If you're not this morning, and if you're in a spot this morning where you need the help of the rest of your family, your brothers and your sisters in Christ, uh, then we wanna be here for you in whatever way we can. This morning, if, if you're not a Christian, I know that God, your father, put a plan into place to save you from your sins. And if you're living in those sins, Uh, Let's make a change about that this morning. If you want to study with us about what the Bible says about that or sit down with us and talk about it, we'd love to do that. If you need anything this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.